So this morning we are wrapping up our series on the five senses. Have y'all enjoyed this series? Man, God has done more in these past five weeks than I really ever imagined when we got together and said this is what we were going to do. Um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. And I hope for all of us, myself included, that these haven't just been meetings that have been feel-good meetings, but they're things that we can hear and we can grab hold of and we can apply to our life. You know, the first week we talked about listening. And are we listening to God or are we just trying to find people that are going to agree with us? Right? The next week we talked about uh, smell and the aroma of our prayers. And does the intensity of our prayers match the intensity of our situations? Then we talked about tasting and seeing that God is good, about sitting at the table, right? That, this, that he's prepared this plate, this meal for us. And that we need to feast on the goodness of God in the presence of our enemies. Last week, Jason, it was a great word. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go on the website, listen to it. It was awesome. He talked about feelings and how we need to stop feeling, waiting till we feel like doing something that God's called us to do. You know, the, the tinglies are great, but that's not, that's not an indication for us to move. An indication for us to move is when God tells us to move. And so that was a great one. Today, uh, we're going to wrap up this series on on sight, on seeing. Before we do that, look, can we just pray this morning? As we do, let's, let's stand up together and let's pray as we, as we begin this time in the Word. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, Lord, for meeting us right where we are at. And God, as what has already been said this morning, and as we're going to continue to say, Lord, um, God, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you and we need to hear from you. Even for those of us that don't think we need to, that things are okay, God, we, we say we need to hear from you as well. But God, for all of us this morning, from all of us, God, let us hear what you have to say. Speak through me your words, God. We lay aside everything else, Jesus, and we say you speak this morning. You take over, and we are going to hear from our God and our Savior. What a privilege that is, Lord, to know that we serve a God who is alive. And he wants to speak to us every single day. We don't, we don't worship an idol. We don't worship anything dead. We worship a living and true God who wants to speak to us. And so this morning, speak to us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So today we're talking about sight. And sight and seeing, I really think, is one of the hardest things to grasp in the Christian world in terms of our senses. Because the culture that we live in, the world that we live in, runs completely counter to what the Bible says about sight and about seeing. Because in our world, we say, I got to see it to believe it, right? Seeing is believing. Tommy got a new job. Oh, I'll believe it when I see it, right? Susie's dating a good young man. Oh, I'll believe it when I see it, right? The Jaguars are going to win the Super Bowl. I'll believe it when I see it. In Jesus' name, we're going to believe and we're going to see that in February 2020. Right, but that's what we say a lot of times. Sometimes we don't even realize it, but that's our attitude. Something great comes along our path. We hear something awesome, and before we can actually believe this good news, we're pessimistic. We say, I'll believe it when I see it. And so we have this, 
this relationship between sight and belief that is what the world tells us all the time. That in order to believe, we must first see. And what the Bible says is, no, 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 no. First you believe and then you will see. And so we have to relearn all of that. We have to forget this habit of seeing first and then believing and do what the Bible says and what Jesus says, and that is believe first and see later, which can be very, very hard. Because we might have been believing for a very long time for something, and we still don't see it. But that is what Jesus tells us to do. And I want to start by this story in John chapter 20. It's a a familiar story to many of us about Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? And what's happening here is Jesus has been crucified, and there was a moment in the upper room where the disciples saw Jesus. The doors were locked, the windows were locked. They were were afraid that the uh, church was going to come after them. And everybody was in the room except for Thomas. And Jesus appears to them, and Thomas misses out. And then a week goes by, and here we pick up the story, John chapter 20, verse 24. It says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, listen, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. So he's saying, until I see, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe until I see it for myself. Sound familiar? Verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas this time was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I love that, by the way. This has nothing to do with what they're saying today, but I love that Jesus appears to them in a locked room, and the first thing he says is, peace. I'd be freaking out, like, peace right now? Are you serious? You just appeared out of nowhere. The doors were locked. Got a real funny sense of humor, Jesus. (laughs) Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Not stop doubting and see. Stop doubting and believe. The issue was not in Thomas's sight, it was in his belief. It was in his belief. And notice what Jesus says to Thomas. He says the exact same thing back to him that Thomas said to the disciples. See his hands, touch him, feel him. Jesus says, okay, here, here's all those things that you wanted right here. Stop doubting and believe. Not stop doubting and see. And I wanna echo that this morning. But before we do that, I want, to, I want to continue what he says, because this is an important thing. Verse 28, Thomas said to him, Lord, my Lord and my God. Verse 29, then Jesus told him, because you have seen, you have believed. Here we go. Listen, this is important. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen and have believed. You know who he's talking about? Us. He's talking about us. We are blessed when we believe, even when we haven't seen. Okay? 
Listen to that. Some of y'all need to write that down this morning because I want to echo what Jesus said to Thomas this morning because I believe there's a lot of us in this room that are in Thomas's boat. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. I know it. I know it as sure as I'm standing here. I know it in my heart that a lot of us in this room and a lot of us that are watching online have been walking in doubt because we can't see the end. And so we've given up on our belief. And we're waiting to see so that we can believe. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Believe, and then you will see. And then you will see. And remember this, everyone. Please remember this. If you do that, if you believe, even when you don't see, we can stand on the promise of Jesus that we will be blessed. We will be blessed in Jesus' name. Come on. You know, our problem is that just because we don't see doesn't mean that God is not in it. Doesn't mean that he's not at work in what's going on, but we get so consumed with trying to see it for ourselves. You know, this, this is amazing. You know, we, we sing these songs about the majesty of God and how big he is. We go outside, listen, we're so blessed to live five, or, you know, at a church that's five blocks from the ocean. We can go to the beach and see the vastness of his creation. We can, we can travel north and see these mountains that are so majestic. There are telescopes that can see so far into the universe. And I'm not gonna try and explain it because I don't know that stuff, but I know that they can see far, right? They can see really far, okay? There's your scientific term for me. I hated science, it's not my thing, all right? But they can see really far into the universe. And what they also know is that there's so much more that they can't see. God's creation goes so far above and beyond what we can see with our best inventions, our smartest minds that are building these things that try and explore God's creation. They don't come close. They don't come close to reaching what God has done. And all of it, All of the things that God has created, all they do is magnify his splendor, magnify his majesty, his greatness, how big he is. And when we say, God, I'm having a a hard time believing because I can't see, we are shrinking this huge God down to our size. And we're saying, no, 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 you are God, but you have to see like I see. We're so small. We are so small in this whole creation deal in terms of our size but in terms of our importance we could not be any bigger for God we could not be any bigger but every time that we doubt God because we don't see we are shrinking him down to our size we're saying no God you're not the God that created a universe that we cannot even fathom you're a God that can only see down the block because I don't see it And so now, because this is where it gets so backwards and so confusing, I'm so glad I'm not God because I would lose patience in a second. We doubt God because we can't see. We doubt him because of our inability. Not because of his inability, but because of ours. And so those of you this morning that are struggling with doubt, this is what you need to say. Thank God I can't see. 
the way God sees. Thank God that I cannot see what you are doing because if I could see it, it would be so much smaller than what it really is gonna be. We need, to, we need to applaud God. We need to praise God that we can't see it yet because what that means is it's bigger than we could ever imagine. That this solution, this thing that we're waiting for, this miracle is more than just a miracle in us. It's a miracle about everybody around us and it's bigger than what we could ever hope for. So we need to stop doubting and believe in the God that we worship in the God that we sing about and the God that we see in creation. It's bigger than what we could imagine. It's bigger than our sight. Try and build a telescope. That'll be the miracle in your life. It won't be big enough. It won't be big enough. What you are waiting to see from God is going to blow you away. But you have to start believing first and then you will see it. It goes, I'm not going to repeat what Jason said last week. He already said it. But it's more about than just waiting and feeling like it. Saying, I'm gonna, I'll believe when everything's right and happy and there's unicorns and rainbows all around. Start believing now, not when you feel like it. You're waiting for a miracle, believe for it. Stop doubting and believe. I want to talk also about another disciple of Jesus who had a different experience with Jesus seeing, and it's Peter. And I love this story. It's one of my favorite little moments in the Bible with Jesus and a person. And I probably mentioned it before, and that's okay, because I just think it's so profound and so incredible. And it's in John chapter one, it's when Jesus first meets Peter. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, this is in verse 40, was one of the, tw- uh, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So, so Andrew is, is now following, he's saying, all right, John, thanks, You've, it's been awesome, it's been real, but I'm gonna go follow this guy now because he's the Messiah. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. That's another sermon for another day, by the way. Verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so Jesus looks at him, he sees him, Right? He sees Simon, and this is what he says to him. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. And that name means stone. So Jesus, on sight, on seeing Simon, looks at him and says, you are now Peter. You're not Simon anymore. You are now Peter. You are now a stone. You are sturdy. You are a foundational piece. Simon is gone. Peter is now. And I have to wonder, you know, what Peter was thinking, what his friends were thinking that knew, because we, you know, there's, there's a lot written about Peter in the Bible. And most of it is tough stuff. You know, he's, he's very reactionary, impulsive, does a lot of crazy things, but then he also does some awesome things as well. Amazing things, actually. But in that moment, I would imagine there were some of them going, Jesus, you need to get to know this guy before you rename him Peter. (laughs) Now, you don't know him the way we know him. You know, Peter was probably thinking the same thing. Wait, me? I'm just a fisherman. I got kicked out of Bible school. I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not smart enough. I had to just take on the family business. I'm a trait guy. I don't think you need to be renaming me that. 
He could have easily been so consumed with what was that he didn't pay attention to what was going to be. And that can be such a stumbling block for us and something that holds us right where we are at. And we look in the mirror, and although Jesus is calling us Peter, all we see is Simon. We refuse to believe that we could ever be a Peter because we're so consumed with what we have done that it stops us from being what we can do. And here's the thing. Jesus didn't call Peter, Peter, because of what he had done. He called him Peter because of what Jesus was going to do. You see, it's not about our works. It's not about our past failures or anything like that. It's about Jesus' death on the cross making us new every day. And I want to read something from you. This is um, a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He, he writes, Our new life is as, tr- is as truly created out of nothing as were the first heavens and the first earth. This ought to be particularly noticed, for there are some who think that the grace of God improves the old nature into the new. It does nothing of the sort. So in other words, when when Jesus called Simon Peter, Simon was done. That That was over now. And it was all about Peter. And when he calls us and he adopts us in as his children, like we sang about this morning, the old self is gone. There's no, new, there's no improvement on the old self. Like we're still that person and we're just growing from it. The old self is gone. It's over. So when we look in the mirror, we don't need to say, I can't be that person because of what I've done. These past failures. We can look in the mirror and say, that person doesn't exist anymore. I'm someone new. I am Peter now. And even though I might not see it yet, I can believe that. I can believe that. And let me tell you something. The reason that Jesus calls us to believe is because that's where the power is. The power is in the belief. Because when we start actually believing the things that God says about us in his word, whoo, look out. We're unstoppable. And that is why the enemy is always in our ears saying, you don't measure up. You're a failure. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. You know who did the same thing? Paul wrote about that, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Didn't stop him. But the enemy is going to say over and over and over and over again, you are Simon, you will never be Peter. Why? Because the second that we say, oh no, I'm Peter, we become a rock and a stone for the church and people get saved Peter did more for the church than he ever could have possibly imagined. He opened the door for Gentiles to come in and start getting saved. He was a martyr for Jesus. And Jesus knew it in the moment that he looked at him and he saw him. He doesn't say, clean up your act. Then I might rename you. He doesn't say, let me get to know you and see what your abilities and your talents are. Then I'm going to rename you. He looks at you and he says, I love you. I died for you. This is who you are. So we need to start walking in that and believing in that. A couple things that the Bible says that we need to know for sure. Psalms 139, I'm just going to touch on these quickly. Psalms 139, 14, I praise you. 
because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that full well about yourself? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God did not hiccup or have an off day when he created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ephesians 2 Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Other, other translations say workmanship or masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That word there, handiwork, which again can be translated different ways, um, is translated in the Greek as poema. And the idea that he says that we are his beautiful poem. We are created as God's beautiful poem. I love that. That is amazing. Other ways it's translated is we are his work of art. So you may look in the mirror and not see failure. You might just see ugly. You might see shame. But you need to know that you are God's beautiful poem. You need to write that down this morning. Some of you. We've been living a lie, looking in the mirror, saying, I don't like what I see. God's saying, what are you talking about? You're my beautiful poem. You're my work of art. Those telescopes that are trying to see the rest of the universe and the beauty that they're discovering, that's nothing compared to you. I did not die for the stars. I died for you. Yes, Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Here's the thing about Jesus and Peter when he renamed him. When, when Peter walked on the water and he sank, Jesus didn't pull him up and say, nice job, Simon. Way to go, Simon. You were Peter a second ago when you were walking, but now you're Simon when you sank. When he cuts off the ear of the guard in the garden, he doesn't say, cut it out, Simon. Stop being such a Simon. Or when he fell asleep, when Jesus told him to be there while Jesus prayed, say, wake up, Simon. Or as Jesus is arrested and getting beaten and about to be crucified and Peter denies him three times, he doesn't go back and start calling him Simon. Because he's Peter. Despite his failures, he's Peter. Jesus doesn't take it back. It's not a conditional thing. And so we like to think that a lot of times. We fail. We say, great, here I am again. That old, that, that old name. I'm Simon again. Jesus, what are you talking about? Not Simon? You're Peter like it yeah you messed up but you know what I'm going to pick you up and we're going to move on from that stop doubting and believe there's another person in the Bible that had a, a name change rather large name change Paul the apostle was named Saul and this is what's so cool about this Saul persecuted Christians hunted them down, men, women, and children, to arrest him, have them beaten, 
His life mission was to get rid of Christianity. And then he becomes Paul, whose life mission is to spread the gospel. But what happens in the middle? He becomes blind. He loses his sight so that he can believe. We need some of us to lose our sight so that we can believe. Because all we are looking at is ourselves and the things around us. And that is actually making us blind. Instead of looking up, instead of looking to Jesus, instead of looking in his word, we're looking at ourselves and it's causing us to be blind. You might think you're seeing a lot, you don't see anything. If you're looking at yourself and depending on yourself to accomplish the things that God has for you, you are a blind person walking around. Saul turning into Paul had to get blind. He lost his sight so that he could believe. And when he got his sight back, he was gone. He was gone. And so as we begin to open our eyes and start believing the things that God is actually saying about us and stop calling ourselves Simon, we're gonna do amazing things. This church is gonna explode. But we gotta believe first. We can't wait and see. We just gotta believe it. We gotta stand on the truths of God's word and say, I believe it. Not just for the person next to me, not just for that person over there, but I believe it for myself. I believe that I am God's beautiful poem as well. And I believe that I am blessed because I believe before I see. And you know what? It's okay to feel like that. We walk around a lot of times with this idea that, this, that it's humility of, oh God, I can't do that. That's, that's false humility. That's unbelief. It's okay to be proud of the things that God has blessed you with, as long as you're giving him the credit for it, you know? But if we walk around with our head to, oh God, oh, oh, just blah, 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 come on. That's a false humility. That is unbelief that you are, that you are uh, confusing with humility. It's doubt. We are God's beautiful poem, his work of art. He died for us so that we, our old name is no more our new name. Our old self is no more our new self. We are not taking the old and transferring it to something new. The old is gone. So when you look in the mirror, you can say, no, no, no. Like Paul, yes, that is who I used to be, but now this is who I am. And you start using that to tell other people about Jesus, just like Paul did. Oh, it's awesome. I'm gonna have the band come back up. And I want to read this story. It's one of the coolest things. Um, I love this story. And it's in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 15. And this is Elisha. And he's with his servant, and there's this army that is basically starting to come up against them. And it says, When the servant of the man of God, so the man of God is Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots, had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And this is Elisha's response, verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more 
than those who are with them. Come on. And Elisha prayed. This is what Elisha prays for his servant. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Come on now. When we start believing, when we start believing, when we start believing, y'all, God's gonna open our eyes and he's gonna see, oh, there's a whole lot more of me than there is of them. And that fear that we've been walking in, that doubt that we've been walking in, that shame that we've been walking in is going to go away because we're gonna see God's power in our lives. We're gonna see that there is a whole lot more of him than there is of the enemy. He is always, 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 always gonna outnumber the enemy. We gotta believe it. We gotta believe it. And then we're gonna see it. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up this morning. We're gonna pray for you. And I wanna pray for those specifically this morning who have been walking around in doubt, in shame, saying, God, you're walking in a circumstance. I don't see it. I don't see the end. I don't see what you're doing. And I'm struggling with doubt. I'm struggling because I don't see it. To you, Jesus says this morning, stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe because the power is in the belief. And know that just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not at work in it. And what he is preparing is bigger than we could ever see. So why are we even trying? It's exhausting. And you might be exhausted this morning. So if that's you this morning, I want you to come up for prayer. And for those of you that when you look in the mirror, all you see is Simon and you don't see Peter. All you see is the person that was, the failure, the one that denies Jesus, the one that falls asleep when he says not to, the one that sinks when he's walking on the water. And you say, that's me. When Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is who you are. I've made you something brand new. And all, you've, just been, you've just been holding on to your failures in, in your past life, things that, you, things that you did years ago. It's time to let go of those things and accept the fact that you are Peter. You are not Simon. And it's not because of what you've done. It's because of everything that Jesus has done for you. It's about his blood and his grace and his mercy that makes us new. So we can let go of those things. And finally, for those this morning that have never asked Jesus into your heart, and you are a Simon, you're saying, I wanna be Peter. I wanna be Peter. I wanna let go of these things and I just, wanna, I just wanna love you, Jesus. I wanna ask you into my heart. I'm telling you, he's got a plan for you and he is ready to cut that cord and say, the old is gone, the new is here. You are now Peter, you are no longer Simon and I'm gonna do things in your life that you never thought possible. But right now it's about me wrapping my arms around you saying you're mine. If, that's, if the, any of those three things are you this morning, we want you to come up for prayer. So if we could right now have the pastors and the elders come up. They're gonna be on the side again. 
They're going to pray for you. And let me say this as well. Let me say this as well. For those of you who are in your seat and, and coming up for prayer seems like the hardest thing in the world to do. All the more reason to come. All the more reason. Don't, don't wait. Don't miss out on this opportunity. God wants to speak to you. He wants to set you free. But please, please, please don't leave here the, the way you came in this morning because you were afraid of walking 20 feet up to the front. I, listen, I've been coming here my whole life. I know most of the people here. They don't care. They don't care if you come up for prayer. If anything, it's going to bless them. It's going to bless us. And if you don't fit necessarily into those three categories and you need prayer anyway, please come up. Please come up. This, we, we, want, we want God to move. So as we continue to worship, come up this morning. Let me pray and then make your way forward. Father, Father, Father God. Oh, you're amazing, Lord. God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, if we've been relying on our own sight and our own abilities. And we've allowed that to define our relationship with you. We've allowed that to define how we move. God, forgive us, Lord. We repent, Jesus. And we say, God, now, we believe. We believe. Help our unbelief, Lord. Allow us, God. Give us the courage when we don't see to believe anyway. In the face of our enemy, God, we say, we believe in you. We trust in you. We know that you are for us. And if you are for us, God, who could ever be against us? God, we accept the fact that you have named us something new. And so we lay aside our old self and we accept, God, what you have given us. We're no longer Simon and we are Peter. And when we mess up, we are Peter. And when we fail, we are Peter because we are yours, God. Thank you for that, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Y'all come up. Come up.